Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Barney. And I'm Mike Indeglio. Hey, Mike Indeglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. computer coming so I might quit halfway through the podcast if it arrives. Do you think this means that our tech won't still blow up the podcast? No, it still will. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my co-host Mike discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are already up to season six, episode 11, The Test. How's it going, Mike? You know, it's going well, man. Uh, It's been a stressful week again with work. Today's no exception, but I've got a very important meeting on the calendar. It's set for two and a half hours, and it's right now. It's happening. Right now. This is my uh, the the early start to my Labor Day weekend. Memorial Day? Memorial, uh, Memorial Day weekend? Day. Memorial yeah. Day, yeah. It's three days. You know what? That's, That's what I know. true. And we're recording this early because uh, I'll be heading out to visit family on awesome. uh, Memorial Day, which will be fun, which means we have talked to each other on the internet three times in a week. Because we laid down two episodes of toys. Check it out. Look at my Star Trek toys here on KME Entertainment on YouTube. Yeah. Good pitch, and then, buddy. Uh, yeah, how about that? You know, we're getting pretty good at this. We only do about 14 hours a week talking into this camera. So <laughs> talking we're... to Phoenix. <laughs> talking <directly>. to Phoenix. <laughs> and my mother, and who has, has not contacted me. <laughs> <laughs> Should I reach out? Should I say? Should I send an edible arrangement or something? <laughs> you should. That would be hilarious. Uh, just as an uh, apology. Uh, oh, indeed. There was something indeed. else. I was talking to CEO Jen this morning. What were we talking about? I wanted to bring it up on the show. I forget. But uh, oh, I have a uh, I have a seize the show tonight. Um, I'm returning to the space. Uh, oh, which the original one. That's the one that I saw. No, different space one. Ah. Um. I think you'd you'd prefer this because it's less it's trying a little less hard. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. That's gonna be a good start to the weekend. And uh, I don't have a lot of plans. I know that's a lie. We're going into Philly this weekend with some friends to have dinner, and I might uh, surprise CEO Jen with get a nice hotel so we can stay overnight, Ooh. like make a little night of it. Oh, that you sounds know. nice. Yeah, well. or I might just drive us home to save money. Ah, <laughs> jury's out. Well, Jen, when you listen to this, you will have already, you will know whether your husband values you enough to overcome his innate cheapness. So uh, is it money or love? We'll find out. Jen, text me when you hear this. I want to know what happened. 
<laughs> Should we, well, before we jump into uh, the show proper, there's something mm -hmm. we do just to get certain elements of the internet interested in our show, get the CEO, get the SEO, and mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, you know what I'm talking about, buddy. I, a, I know that you do. You mean it's a little segment called, uh, We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We failed! It's time to give the world what it was. This just in, we were going to record later today because Charlie had an emergency uh, situation, but uh, we're going to get the update right now, Keith. Yes, yes. Well, it was never an emergency, but okay. uh, we came home, uh, we're out for a run or something like that, out for, we're out for a little while, and we got back and Charlie, our good friend Charlie, had cut himself under oh. his chin, and no idea how, no idea where, uh, so... Uh, it's it's weird when you have a cat because it's all around the house. It can run into anything. He's 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 clumsy for a cat. He's remarkably clumsy. Uh, but uh, anyway, so the so the cut was there for a while. But then it sort of he was licking at it, so he lost like a patch of fur. And it wasn't looking good. So I set up an appointment to uh, go get him uh, looked at. But they they gave some advice and we did some stuff and then two days later he's mostly fine. So I, so uh, we did decided that wasn't himself, necessary. Or was there like a battle that took place with the mole? Like what was the situation? I don't I don't know. I don't think he scratched himself. I think it's I think he probably ran into something or stuck his head somewhere where there was something sharp. If I knew where it was, I would fix it. But I have no idea. Um, I thought he might have been in his room, but the room was closed. We, we close it when we're not here, just in case. So, no idea. Cats are are sometimes a mystery. So, uh, but he's he's feeling fine. He he never felt bad. Uh, but you know, I'm nervous. I'm a nervous. I'm a nervous cat owner. I want him to be. Uh, I want him to be good. It's very sad when he's hurt. So I get it. I get it. Uh, but he's fine. He's totally fine now. So he's been, in fact, uh, right above me, right above my head is our living room. And he's been running around like a maniac up there all by himself, <laughs> bumping into the walls. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's Charlie. That's what, what he does. So I have some hot cat content for this week. Oh, nice. A two-parter. Uh, okay. And I'll start with, so my my one cat, Dee Dee, my ginger cat, uh, who is a, an acquired taste. He is rude to some, loves others, loves me. He's awesome. Yes. And, uh, but he's taken to, he's wiggled his way into the closet where we keep the towels. He somehow like gets his way in there and then somehow gets, he only gets the door open this far, but then somehow gets up like two shelves into the towels so he can like make a little nest, which I don't know how he's getting up oh, there. Nice. But it's awesome. And if you open, the door is only cracked a bit so the sun sunbeam shoots in. So I got this picture of him. You would never know he's a bad cat because he's so cute. Oh, he's yes. That's so what you sent me. Oh, cute. Oh, a little man. Aww. Anyway, so my mother in law had a cat and she sent Jen a picture a couple, like a month or two ago and was like, well, how'd the cat get so fat? And it's like, <laughs> uh, you got a pregnant cat. She's like, no, there's no way. I'm like, do you, is it fixed? No. Do you let it outside? Yes. What do you then? I I, I mean, surprise, birds and surprise. Bees. Do, you, do you need to have a birds and bees conversation <laughs> with my mother in law? I've already with had your one with your mom. I might as well just make it a, <laughs> a recurring well, I'm seeing segment. my mother in law this weekend. Maybe I could explain it all to her. 
Anyhow, like she had these cute cats. Jen resisted, Jen resisted. Mm-hmm. And then we had a conversation. She's like, we have to go visit my mom. She's been going through a tough time for various reasons. And we're like, okay, we'll make a trip to go down to South Carolina and see her. But if we go to South Carolina, Jen, I'm coming back with one of those kittens. And Jen, you're going to add a third cat to your house? I am, am going to do that. Oh, so good cute. Lord. Mike is turning into a cat lady. And uh, I'm I, envious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you be careful what you wish for. I'll bring one back. Charlie needs a brother. Well, here's the thing. Charlie does not like the other neighborhood cats yeah. here. Oh. The the he's he gets very he gets I think he's sort of territorial. He doesn't there is however, you know, we have our woodchuck that was in our yard 20 minutes ago. Same size as a cat. It's also a wild animal and he couldn't care less. Could not care less. Oh, uh, what's up, CC? Say hi. Cute. You're on a podcast, girl. <laughs> She's like, your lighting you is doing? so good with your with your background there. Ah, like she's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I think that is just enough yeah. cat content. Thanks for everybody. Thanks, everybody. That was uh that was great. Well, that's very exciting. Uh I, I can't believe you're gonna have three cats, but I can't wait to meet the kitten. That will be awesome. I, I should clarify that Jen has not officially signed off on this. Uh oh. Oh, okay. So perhaps the 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 night in the hotel room is is somehow a, a piece headed in that direction. I see how it is. Well, the, here's there is a conflict that I think will interest some of our viewers uh, that has something to do with more TV. I'll save you. <laughs> I'll save your eardrums. Uh, <laughs> Did you though? We've been hooked on Mayor of Easttown on HBO Max. Uh, I think we talked about oh. it briefly, maybe. it's uh, It takes place in Delaware County, which is like where I was born and over oh. here. It's right it's also stone where, from where we moved. It's also where my wife's from. That's I know right. Delco well. Anyhow, season series finale is this Sunday, which is when I was p- considering this romantic evening, and I'm pretty confident my wife would prefer to be home to watch the Color. series finale. There you go. <laughs> well, but here's the... <laughs> so... <laughs> Is that Sorry, my Easter egg I, from last week? It was your Easter egg from last week. I was going over to get to the filings and subpoenas. I was loading <laughs> it up. But little did I know, all of a sudden, Mike's in stereo. <laughs> Which nobody wants. Nobody wants. Uh, what was I saying? So we, so I don't know. The, the series finale is this weekend. If you haven't been watching Mayor of Easttown, it is the mystery. It, it, it's a little bit of a slow burn, but we get there. And it's, a, it's, it's really interesting. It's a good show to watch. Well, you could watch Murder Dirter at the hotel room. No, yeah, but we got I got a whole comfy setup in here. I got it like that's you want to watch it here. <laughs> this is where we want it to happen. This is where the magic I, happens, baby. I, I, I can hear Mike's like head going. He's <laughs> like, well, you know, they're gonna compress the signal going into the into the cable box at well, the at the hotel. I, it really bugs me that people set up their TVs to like they turn the color up to like 80%. They oversaturate everything. Like I, mm-hmm. I calibrate my screens. Yeah. Well, clearly, <laughs> clearly this myself. is a man who is choosing <laughs> tech over something else. As Keith peers out the window for the UPS man with his new computer. <laughs> shall we truth, hear what truth, truth. Shall we hear what yeah. the multitudes are saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we go. Let's talk to the multitude. Filings and subpoenas. 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 
folks, if you would like to join the multitude that is our moderator, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Out of Practice on Facebook and Instagram. And while you're at it, do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Just let us know. We will read it. We will welcome you to the jury. We will be grateful. Uh, you can even say bad stuff. It doesn't matter. We're going to read it. We're going to welcome you to the jury. Uh, so please do so. Uh, very quickly this week, because we just recorded the last episode like three days ago. Uh, but of course, uh, last week uh, on the episode Eyewitness, we uh, we witnessed Mike's dementia settling in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phoenix said, among his other synaptic misfires, Mike confused to Muppets, Muppets Waldorf, and Statler and a hotel, the Waldorf Astoria. The tagline of this episode, Keith gets a year older while Mike develops dementia. Uh, it's got so a ring to it. It it really does. I, we're both aging in our own in our own way. I'm just sort of getting fatter and you're getting lighter upstairs. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, so, seriously, I don't usually show it on camera, but ooh. I mean, I'm a, a, just an aged man. Uh, you you match the the carpet map matches the drapes there with your background. You sort of stick your green screen down head your head. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I it's it, for me. I'm I wish I were gray, as opposed to like slowly just follicle by follicle sneaking mm. back, which I didn't think I was doing, and then I saw a picture of myself from 20 years ago. I was like, oh crap. It's it's happening. Well, yeah. that's all right. Better than we're, the alternative. Better than the alternative for sure. Which is like those people in multiple stages of denial about losing their hair, and it's like I'm all for like I I, I if you if you go bald and beautiful, do it. Make it a choice. You know what I mean? But oh, yeah. it's those people who like leave the like the like, moat. Yeah, the moat. Yeah. No. 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 I I I will embrace and accept uh, whatever the ravages of age does to me. Uh, so I, I will I will try to go with some dignity, and I, I think if this comes any further, I'm just going to shave the top and be Picard. I think that's I, just. Uh, hold on, how did I tell this anecdote? I have a, <laughs> I have a an acquaintance, an acquaintance. Okay. I wouldn't say a friend, an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. I went to high school with, and and on occasion I'll see him out and about. And for about two years, I was calling him Tallahassee as a nickname, and he just like thought. I was, he didn't really get it, never really asked, but the truth of the matter was my other friends were in on it. He had his, his, he, he was like, it was all pretty much gone except for this like thing that just looked exactly like Florida. It was like the perfect outline of Florida in his middle of his bald head. And so I just started calling him Tallahassee because I'm a dick. You are a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my anyway, goodness. Yeah, what's not for a, nothing. Well, what's that song about Bobby being a dick? <laughs> oh, yeah. Bobby is an asshole. Oh, my God. Keith. Bobby is an asshole. I'm sorry. I'm just all over the place today. We were like sort of in more TV before, but we weren't. But we are now. Did you watch the Friends reunion last night on HBO Max? No, I never really paid much attention to Friends. Perfectly. Interesting. Because I, I didn't have any. So it, it seemed like it wasn't in my wheelhouse. It is apropos, actually, to to the period of time you know i'll talk about friends a little bit more in this day in the basement okay good well let us then move forward and uh 
Oh wait! Ask wait. you what was, was it? What was that, happening? That we were done with filing the subpoena. I, that's it. That's it. So we're oh. going to hop back into the time machine uh, to uh, January thirteenth, the year two thousand and two, and get right to it. Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, <laughs> it should be noted. Did you have friends? That, uh, it should be noted that I never watched Friends in its initial run, but okay. when I first moved to New York. It happens a little bit later, but I won't mention when I moved. It wasn't until I moved to New York and they would play Friends in syndication. And it was like, you know, it was one of those times where the syndication had just looped over from the finale into um, the starting from scratch that I watched oh. it in its full run, like in real time over syndication. And that's when I kind of Friends oh, is cool. is comfort is like television comfort food. It's pretty awesome. Right, and it was right, interesting right. to see them reunite last night. But doing that thing that is probably better, right? They didn't write an episode for them to be on. They just, it was like this Fresh Prince thing. They filmed them all getting back together on the set and there were emotions had and you could see who had plastic surgery and who was recovering and all kinds of stuff. You know, the internet really picks them apart, but I'm sure they were paid handsomely. So it was, it's worth a watch if you were even remotely interested in Friends, uh, which Keith wasn't. So I'd uh, say it's a skip. I, I'm not a multi-cam guy. Yeah, but okay. Like I, I will occasionally, like I enjoy Frasier, uh, which is probably the only multicam that I would necessarily multicam meaning it's filmed in front of a live studio audience with a laugh track and all that stuff. So, uh, like I, I like Frasier because it is sort of like a little play as opposed to a sitcom. You know, I never have watched but a handful of episodes of Frasier. I find it dry, and I find Kelsey Grammer uninteresting. However, I have not, as an adult whose tastes have definitely changed, uh, revisited it. So I think it's probably worth doing so. No, I I think you should. I mean, because it really is the highest level of that art form, where it's, it really is like a drawing room farce for 22 minutes every week. And the performers are so good. Uh, so yeah, I always just yeah. felt that Fraser Crane was like, had his head too far up his ass. But, uh, uh, but now I get, I, I understand that that is the is point. Is the thing. <laughs> yeah. So I have to yeah. definitely revisit. He, he is the butt of the joke. He doesn't know it, but I mean, well, it, it, it that was much more cutting edge back then, where you had um, on sitcoms you didn't really dare to have unlikable or likably challenged characters, but you had that. You had Seinfeld come out sort of at the same time, and you're like, oh, all right, we can sort of. This is before Breaking Bad, where you, like you rooted for the guy murdering people, yeah, and the then anti-hero you, sort of, you start rooting for the pompous, you know, dork. Uh, the shield sort of did that too. Anyway, we've devolved. What was I doing this year? Um, yeah. So, you know, I've mentioned how broke I was at this period of my life. And so, interestingly, though I was studying Broadway theater and mm, acting and such, <clears throat> uh, I, I didn't get to see a lot of it. And the, the yeah. most of the, the performance I would get to see was by going to the Lincoln Center Library uh, mm-hmm. as a student and just, I devoured those archives. I mean, I watched everything. And you were oh, really supposed so to without having a, a reason, right? So I, after a while, you sort of, I just had to start making shit up. Like I'm role research or I'm directing a production. Like, because they wanted a very specific reason why you had to watch that show. You couldn't just go and study. You weren't really allowed right. to and, do that. And, but. and just behind the curtain, a lot of, uh, the, the Lincoln Center Library will film a lot of Broadway shows. And these are, these are, are well-shot 
live performances on Broadway, but it's never released. It's never publicly released like yeah. they did with Hamilton or Shrek yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, by the way, it's nothing like Hamilton was filmed. It's a one wide shot, but you see the full percentage because what it's, what it's basically archiving is not just the performances, right? But the production as it was, because theater is in it by its very nature ephemeral, right? So right. these, the original, the original Sweeney Todd staged by Hal Prince, you know, it exists only on video in that library. You can see the tour on the VHS that was, you know, but as the original Broadway company existed, and it's not always brought, sometimes, sometimes shows are selected for it, sometimes they aren't. Uh, sometimes yeah. understudies are on, it's, they pick one night and they film it, right? Like it just so happens yep. you can go see my wife going on as an understudy in the Fiddler on the Roof revival from whatever year she did it with Rosie, it just happens to be called oh. on, the, on the video. Well, I didn't know that. I should go see that. We should we should do like a like a trip. Yeah, we should. Uh, anyhow, so the only thing I had seen in New York at this point was Forty Second Street because our school took us to see Meredith Patterson, who was an alumnus who we got who got us tickets. So if you weren't giving me a ticket for free, I wasn't seeing things at this point in time. Sure, which brings yeah. me to this period of time. I had a an accompanist in school. What was you know, you had uh, people who were teaching the class, and then you had uh, pianists, accompanists, who were ostensibly there just to accompany, but would often give some musical direction. <clears throat> I was so lucky to have some incredible people I met just because they played piano at school with me. And one is Gary Adler, who oh. uh, he, for I guess people don't know, he wrote, uh, uh, what's the show? Uh, he Alter wrote on Boys? Avenue Q. Alter, Alter Boys, Boys, Avenue Q. He's one of the composers, right? Uh, and at the time when I first met him, he was actually writing Avenue Q, but he was an assistant, or not an assistant, a, a, what do you call it, a, a sub for the, to conduct Urinetown. Oh, cool. And so he gave us, he got us tickets to go see Urinetown, which I absolutely fell in love with. And this was right after, if I'm not mistaken, it had transferred uptown. It was an off-Broadway show that got brought uptown. Right. And, At the Henry Miller, now the Stephen Sondheim, after a huge renovation. And aside from just being like a really bizarre, and 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 ultimately it hurt the show. Like it's a hard, it's a hard marketing push because uh, it's really satirical and and amazing, but it's hard for like the to sell a show called Urinetown, basically. Right. That all said, what I thought was really really cool, and Keith, this is uh, I think of interest to you as as someone who would potentially play in a pit, right? Maybe. Um, <clears throat> or music direct conduct. This is the only, the coolest entrance, maybe the only entrance for a conductor I've ever seen staged. Usually, if anything is, if any uh, acknowledgement to the conductor is made, it's because it's they walk on stage and everybody claps, right? That's usually right. the the most. In Urinetown, it opens with sort of like a police state, and there's uh, spotlights going everywhere. And there's this, the police are chasing this guy and this guy is like climbing on the scaffolding up top and then he climbs all the way down the scaffolding into oh, the pit fun. and then he starts conducting the overture. So awesome. I wonder if they got hazard pay for that actually. They must have. Cool, because you're almost a performer. And they're climbing. I don't, I mean, yeah. they're climbing down scaffolding. Anyway, well, so I, no, awesome. That's, that's super cool. Well, it actually remember it remembers me. It reminds me, uh, I, I as you as you said I music direct and play sometimes but like only on my own stuff because like I'm not good enough to music direct or play anybody else's material but I actually wrote myself an entrance 
in uh, when I did uh, uh, Bloody Bloody Angela Lansbury, or yes, yes, <laughs> Bloody Bloody Jessica Fletcher is what it's called now. It was Bloody Bloody Angela Lansbury at that point. So the first time we did it at Fifty Four Below, uh, what we had because it, it was a practical reason and a funny reason. One, because we started the show with the with a, a piano arrangement of the Murder She Wrote theme, which I was like, I'm too scared to play that. I don't want to. That's that's too hard for me. So, uh, I brought in another pianist to come and start the show, oh. and and so he 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 plays the theme, and then he starts the opening number, and then I enter and shoot him in the back of the head and take his spot at the piano because we want to start Murder She Wrote with a murder. Right. So, That's so funny. My, I actually had an entrance where I walked through the house and then shot the pianist. That's awesome. And then took his place. So there you go. There you go. And this was also the first, uh, my first time backstage at a Broadway show, uh, which was pretty cool. And that's, yeah, that's my memory of it. This was around this time I was poor. I was like intimidated to meet anybody, but it was, uh, it was, it was cool. It was my first real look behind the curtain. So cool. Yeah. I mean, the first time you go back is so, if you're a nerd like us, it's so intense because like those backstages at these houses that have, some of them have been there for a hundred years and all of these famous productions, like this is hallowed ground. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely feel that way about backstage at those Broadway houses. Anyway, awesome story. Good stuff. All right, so what I was doing, uh, I was still up in Vermont after the uh, the holidays, before the second semester of my senior year began. And we were all out on the pond uh, at my parents' house playing what we called the Idiot Hockey League, which was us in our <laughs> Cosby sweaters playing some hockey on the pond in Vermont. This was, uh, this was me playing not the time last winter, or the winter before last, where I busted my elbow and turned it into uh, every color in the universe. But we... Uh, Love. We spent so many hours. Still, still do when we can out playing on the pond. We have to shovel it and flood it and had nets and all that kind of stuff. But there is uh, college me. That's my father hit checking. Well, you know, it's my father. He's, he's a he's a he was a good defenseman. Played high school and uh, knows how to throw a hip check. So we were uh, we were doing that, and uh, <laughs> I also uh, I was I was debating whether or not to say it on air, but I found uh, found an email. I mentioned a while back there was this girl who sort of broke my heart, at, and mm-hmm. then I did the concert with her, and then we went, we actually like met up that weekend, uh, and that was weird. So that's <laughs> all that I'm going to say about was that. Weird. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. I regret bringing it up to begin with, but <laughs> it, now it was weird. <laughs> mercifully, it is time. To spend some time talking about January 13th, the year 2002. And let's talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, folks... Guess who's back? It's Usher with You Got It Bad as the number one song. The top movie in the fourth week of domination is, of course, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. 
uh, just taken over the movie theaters. The cover of the Burlington Free Press had an article about the rise and fall of Enron. Uh, the first of the uh, financial collapses that we've had in the last uh, two decades. Certainly, uh, there was a great documentary about it. Definitely worth watching. I watched it a couple of times back in the day. Now I don't remember anything about it. So, Enron, something bad happened. You know, white guys with money. It didn't go well. Yeah, it's called Enron, now, the documentary. Oh, well, that, that's on the nose, but we'll take before, it. Before you move forward, I feel yeah. like, you know, last week I was effing with the... Um, the sound and stuff, and I I heard you say it in playback, and I should have mentioned it more. I I think we we need to take just an extra second to remind folks who might be of a younger age, Fellowship of the Ring wasn't just like a blockbuster. It was a seminal change, kind of, in our expectation of what high fantasy filmmaking could be. I mean, this yeah was like this was. Bu- well, I guess Harry Potter had started as far as like adapting long works, like but two months before. Yeah, but like this was, I mean, the leap Peter Jackson took here to like to try to visualize such a storied franchise was the balls. Oh, on and this the guy. scope filming the all scope, three movies at once. Yeah, I mean, like I liked the Hobbit films and everything. When we went back, when we, everything he's done, but these first three really yeah. was just spectacular just seeing yeah. it i remember just the jaw drop moments all by beat by beat by beat and just how great they are everybody in it and how it holds up yeah i mean you know this the incredible battles and the cg that they use especially in the the next two movies like it still holds up mm-hmm. which is extraordinary and you were you we'll and I are both it. sams aren't we what's that we both you and i are both sams aren't we Oh, a hundred percent. Well, I, I, I want to be Sam, but yeah. I'm probably, you know, who's I'm slightly more prickly. <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm like Gimli. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah I guess grouchy. everybody wants to be a Sam ultimately. And we're, we're definitely not attractive to be anybody else more. <laughs> <laughs> our, our casting choices are very limited. Yeah, it's definitely true. I, I, one of my favorite things about this movie, uh, this was when we were first starting to date with Jillian, and she had never seen them before and mm-hmm. wasn't really in the, that world and didn't understand that they were a really big deal. And uh, so we were watching Return of the King, and this was, I don't know, five or six or eight years after it came out. And she turns to me during one of the battle scenes like, wow, this is really good. People should see this. And I was yeah, like, they Jillian, should. They, they, they did. Everyone in the world saw this. It won every Oscar available. Uh, but she was like, oh, this weird little like cult film that you've watched is actually pretty good. It's not this film. It's the next. It's the second one, I think, the one with, with the tree, the tree, the tree battle. The tree ends. Yes, that the is. Ents, that's right. And uh, that's the two towers oh. and the incredible battle at the uh, of Helm's Deep. Yeah. We need to get ourselves less deep into that nerd levels and get into something <laughs> far more important. Yeah. Sure. And that is. It's time, it's, time, it's, time. Time. it's time for sports. The Philadelphia Football Eagles blew up Tampa Bay. 31-9 at Veterans Stadium behind Donovan McNabb's two touchdowns on a stifling defense that picked off Brad Johnson four times, including a 59-yard interception by Damon Moore. The Eagles advanced to the division round where they will face the Chicago Bears in Chicago. 
The Giants picked up their copies of Madden 2002 and chilled on the couch. And the leaf blower guy showed up at Mike's apartment and is just blowing leaves out there real loud, I'm sure. (laughs) Nice. Well, look, life finds a way. Yep. All right. You know what it is? I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, folks, we are talking about the practice. Hey, the practice. Oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) I totally, I was just shooting the shit, catching up, forgot we had a podcast about anything (laughs) of of, very specific content. It's literally just Mike and I talking, yeah, like well. reminiscing about the good old days or the Actually, bad Jen old days. Said it once. Days Jen suck. was like, you know, you know, you might people might if you just guys just talked and didn't even like reference the practice. Maybe be, I was like, yeah, but that's not the project. The project was for me to get through all the episodes, Jen. We God have to finish. It. We're so close. We only have two and a half seasons to go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so we are talking about season six, episode 11, The Test. And The Test was written by Lucas Reiter, who last wrote on Inter Arma Silent Leges, and directed by Christina Musry, who last directed An Early Frost. And uh, that leaves us with my favorite question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? You know, guys, I'm not even gonna say anything about banging today. Well, how are you gonna make it sexy then? Uh, well, Bobby's here. Bobby's back. Bobby's back. You can see him on the TV there. And, you know, we always wait till the end of the episode to really wrestle with uh, some stuff, to wrestle with, like, how shitty our job is and blah, blah, mm-hmm, blah. Mm-hmm. So this week, Bobby faces the test of his conscience, as he has often, but this time it's the crux of it. He's got a client who he finds out is guilty, for reals guilty, not just, like, okay. assumed guilty. And Bobby, for the first time, is faced with his first test. And somehow he's going to finagle uh, a, 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 I don't want to say illicit, but a clandestine meeting with Helen that no one knows about in which they Mm. scheme to uncover details of the case so that Bobby's client will be found guilty just so that Bobby can rest at night. Ooh. Interesting. It's Interesting. So that's like the redemptive arc of Bobby before we kick him off the show. Okay. Well, folks, if you would like to listen to us, listen to that pod podcast, listen to that episode, hop over to your favorite podcasting service of choice, and we will be right back to discuss the episode and hand out some oopsies. We will see you then. Season six, episode 11. The test? The test. I was trying to help the guy out. I understand. I I wasn't selling. I cannot, no. Right? He was looking to score. I took his 20. I went down the block. I asked a guy I know to sell me a dime that left 10 bucks for me. That's easy money. 
That's why we're using an agency defense. It means you were acting as an agent for the buyer. Look, Russell, I think we have a solid shot at this. Okay. Nine o'clock? Nine o'clock. Is that o'clock. Sean Astin? No. Courtroom five. No, but I'll tell you who it is. Guy who was definitely not Sean Astin. Guy who's wearing an unfortunately horizontally striped green sweater. Yes, that is Michael Cudlitz from Clarice. The kids are all right. Southland, Band of Brothers, Gross Point Blank, and of course, The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead? The Walking Dead. Yeah, he's like the military guy. He gets killed by Negan, remember? Oh, yeah, he gets Spoiler his head smashed. Oh, yeah. with the bat. The bat that's the... Okay, we'll talk about that later. Russell. Is everything okay? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm uh, just nervous. I've seen you nervous. Something's going on. Mike's gonna be right. You know you can talk to me. Unless you're gonna say you're guilty, in which case don't say it to me. A few weeks ago, I was short on cash. So I hooked up with Jimmy and we guy, bet on a bunch of shit. He's a dealer only He's independent. He doesn't run with a set. He just, he does things on his own. I tried to rob him. Oops. What else? I know it was stupid, all right? The thing is, he didn't give the money up. He grabbed for the gun. And I shot him. He's dead? Maybe you shouldn't Bobby, be telling already me this. Regrets no, Bobby, this. I got a serious problem here, all right? It turns yeah, out dude, I'd say you do. He's not so independent, okay? He ran with this guy named Derek Grant. Now, word is on the street when Grant the finds out who it is that killed his boy, whoever did it is dead. What are the chances they know it was you? I don't know. He wants to meet me tonight. Corner 128th in Linden. You can't go. I have to go. I don't go. He knows it was me. He must already know if he's calling a meeting. You can't go. Bobby, he already knows it's me. I'm dead anyway, okay? Like the stakes are really high immediately. Mm -hmm. If he takes me out, I don't want you to let him walk. If I'm dead, you let someone know what happened. We need to talk about this. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the police. I can't go to the police, Bobby. I killed somebody. <laughs> Look, I'll be there. It's fair. Nine o'clock, courtroom five. Russell, I don't think you should go. Nine o'clock, I'll see you tomorrow. I have something to say, but I bet the credits are coming soon. They sure are. Say away, so, sir. So the murder he just confessed to is not what he's on trial for? That's right. It is a separate incident. He's on trial. Uh, I think it's a drug thing, but it's not the same thing. He's a, this is a separate thing from what he's on trial for. So since he's not saying he's going to kill someone in the future, Bobby does is not compelled Obligated. legally to. Right. Okay. So and he's cl- c- protected under. Cl- I can't speak words. <laughs> <laughs> He is definitely protected by cl- uh, 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 yes. <laughs> Great. Great setup. Great pre-roll uh, yeah. scene. Welcome to the actor. show, Dylan McDermott. Good to go. Let's find out what happens. 
I'm getting a bad feeling. It's been late before. What, I shouldn't worry? He went to meet with a man who might want to kill him. Bobby just I says in the open. Let's give him a few more. Did minutes. I just see Dean Morgan's in this too? No spoilers. Holy, that's insane. What an insane coincidence. We're anybody. out of prison. Daniel. I'm innocent. Yeah, you're damn right it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Guy whose opening line was, I didn't rape anyone. Guys, we have the victim of Negan's bat. But guess what? We also have Negan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is here. Who, of course, Negan on The Walking Dead, also from Watchmen, Rampage, Supernatural, The Good Wife, Grey's Anatomy, Denny, he cut the Elvad. And, of course, he, play, he played a Zindi reptilian on Enterprise in a role that he has been quoted as saying, made me want to quit acting. Wow. <laughs> Unnecessary Star Trek reference. We almost didn't have Negan because he was so annoyed by the reptilian makeup. Wow, it's they must have talked about that at craft services, right? Been like, hey, remember the practice? I, I don't know. I mean, prop. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess if they're both in the same episode, you know, the, the theater world and the TV world are very different because I'll, I'll say. Uh, you know, I generally remember. You know, that's not true. I guess they I forget a lot of stuff. They don't you in Broadway. Yeah, but you like There's you generally no remember services. everybody you met up with, and like. But you know, I'll say that I've had uh, Keith and I have had communication with uh, cast members of the practice in various forms who have admitted that they forgot a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it was. Yeah. But but think about it. Like you remember having, like, take our tour. You remember having done Titanic, but yeah. do you remember, like, if I said, hey, I did we like do a show instances. in Macon, Georgia? How did yeah. the show go? I don't even know if I went to Georgia. Like The answer the is yes, we did do a, a show in Macon, Georgia, by the way. Uh, oh, th th that's one of the only two that I remember are that and Bruton, Alabama. <laughs> well, like the ones where they fed us in weird places where we're like, remember that we were in an antique shop somewhere and they like, oh, that fed was us, like sandwiches. Waco. And, yeah. Waco was weird. Y'all. That was um, super weird. And the, and the, 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 the deck was so narrow. We could only use two, like two pieces of the yep. Titanic. So it, and then remember it that place sunk where, really straight. We did that. Like we played like a stadium. We'd play like a, a, a 40 seat, like middle school somewhere. And then the next night we were like in that weird stadium. Oh, Maybe that was, that might've been MAME. Anyway, that has nothing well, to do with it. I'm doing these, these DNA Another tests podcast. Now. If I can get one. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, that non-equity musical theater touring podcast we're going to do. <laughs> it isn't that easy. <laughs> A guy in Seabrook We'll break down every performance years. we did. They released him last month after running we're some We're in Fort Worth. It happens. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. What I am saying, the court's get thousands of requests, most of them from guilty defendants who want to roll the dice. Innocent people do get released. Six so far in Massachusetts. Nationwide, it's like 90. I know this isn't what you want to hear, but convincing a court to order more tests, it's an extreme long shot, and we would need the DA's office to support our request. If this is about money... It isn't. Is it because you think I'm guilty? <sighs> I guess I'm just not optimistic. The way you cared back then, it stuck with me. 
I got 40 years for something I didn't do. I need you. There's another problem. You'll be coming up for parole. There's a chance the board could release you early. I won't be considered for another 10 years. But if you push this, and the results come back confirming your guilt... That won't happen. If it does, you could end up serving the full 40. There's a risk, Daniel. Listen to me. That will not happen. Talk to the DA. Get the tests. He's so young. So uh, are you clocking what the case is about, Mike? Sort of. Riddle me this, and maybe the context will help. Okay. Why is Lindsay skeptical? If he's saying, I didn't do it, the tests will come back negative, why would he lie about that in the face of getting of losing his appeal and losing his parole possibility? Well, I mean, I think she has to warn him because, you know, she can't be necessarily certain either way. I mean, he was convicted. He's convicted of multiple rapes. And, uh, and so he's trying to get himself, uh, get himself exonerated re-DNA. Um, and she was his lawyer way back when, 10 years okay, ago. So she has the context. All right. All right, well, uh, well, so far, folks, look, we're only a couple minutes in, but we've got two interesting cases, and both Lindsay and Bobby are being tested. Ooh. You don't know where your client is? No, Your Honor, I'm sorry. I really don't. Negan, you told you here? Back? Yes. If this is a stunt Fan. to buy time... It isn't. When did you last see him? Last night. And you haven't heard from him today? No. Bench warrant ordered for Mr. Hampton. I'll hold the jury for 24 hours. In the meantime, Mr. Donald, I suggest you find your client. Well, I'm not going to hold this bumper. We have a new judge played by Tim Snay, who was also on Ally McBeal, The West Wing, Boston Legal as a different character in the same world. Coming up next, Mad Men, Harry's Law, also a David E. Kelly series. And uh, I think his coolest credit, he plays pedestrian population in Red Dead 2. Yes, we love that game. Any ideas? You know where he lives? I know his address. Let's go. You think he's innocent. I don't know what to think. Why would he ask for a DNA no, test? The whole because cast, he's desperate sort of kind and bored. If you run the tests, we'll know for sure. Wait a second. I can't just ask for tests without some legal basis. Unless it's a favor. Which is what I'm asking for. I was right out of law school, Helen. It wasn't inadequate counsel, but it wasn't my best work either. You screwed up? No, I don't think so, but... You didn't. Two rapes, four days apart, both at the same time of night in the same part of town. I know the file. He was identified by both victims. No alibi. Helen, I know the file very well. Look, this isn't easy for me. You don't have to do this. I know. The thing is, I don't even think he's innocent. But if there's a chance he is, I need to know. That's fair. Yeah. But it is a big ask, because if it turns out he is innocent, then it looks bad on the DA's office. Right. I hope not. Everybody had that toy car in the back. Did you see that? 
Oh, yeah. Everybody had it. I didn't have it. Yes, you did. We didn't have anywhere flat enough to drive it. Russell. Oh, that's fair. Oh, my God. Yo, Russell's dead, y'all. Are you the police? No, Mrs. Hampton. I'm Bobby Donald. This is Eugene Young. We're attorneys. We represent your husband. Where is he? Is he okay? We were hoping to find him here. <gasps> okay, right, let's introduce the wife with a random bumper. The wife is played by Sandra Papuro from Shameless, Modern Family, Wild Things, Diamond in the Rough, Wild Things 4. Did you know that there's four mm, of those? I didn't, didn't know. And, <laughs> yeah, they kept making uh, direct-to-DVD sequels, as you might imagine, and she was on Oz. Russell's got roughed up. Oh, rough, rough. Or dead. He got dead also, potentially. Although it'd be weird to have he him might in like be the first. Dead. It'd be, it'd have him only appear in the pre-roll credits. He didn't come home last night. Well, he wasn't a big Before star yet. He didn't tell me where he was going. What time was that? Do you remember? Now, if he got murdered by having his head bashed in, then it's just too much. It was late. <laughs> I don't know. I know it was after one o'clock. I mean, The Walking Dead owes Stephanie Kelly some royalty. I'm sure your husband's fine, Mrs. Hampton. Are you, Eugene? Are you sure? Do you know something? No, I'm sorry, we don't. You came here looking for him. There's got to be a reason. We were supposed to start your husband's trial this morning. We're here because he didn't show up. I'm sorry we can't be more help. If you hear from Russell, please let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I want to see what Bobby Donald's business card looks like. I got a very big dick. Business card. <laughs> Why that tickled me so, but that was fucking funny. Now I got it. <laughs> he carries around like an eight Wrong. by ten business card. Seven-year-old double rape case. I ordered a DNA test. Why? Favor bank. Look, I'm sorry I didn't check with you first. Anyway, the sample from the first rape was too degraded to withstand any testing. What about the second? It wasn't a match. Oh, shit. Negan didn't do it. You've had the wrong guy in prison for seven years? Seems so. So you'll release him? Well, 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 well how can you not? He's cleared <laughs> on one rape, Lindsay, but on the other. The rapes were connected, Helen. The prosecution argued that at trial, beyond all reasonable doubt, I might add. The victim ID'd your client. Both victims ID'd my client. If one turns out to be clearly wrong and the rapes are connected, we can't just kick him. Why not? All right, take a breath. I'm gonna go talk to the victim, then I'll go see Gavin Brown. Who is Gavin Brown? The DNA we tested, it didn't just exonerate your client. Oh, they and fingered somebody exact else? match to an inmate doing three years at Concord for a burglary. What's his name? Is his name Gavin Brown? Gavin! Has anyone seen my friend Gavin? It's a Red Dead re reference. I think I should go to the police. You can't. Eugene, Bob. Have you ever gone down the YouTube well of like people who think they've figured that out, but it turns out it's there's, it's it's just rando. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I've certainly tried to figure it out. But. Yeah, I, I didn't really go too far down the well only because I instantly shot that person in the head. 
<laughs> Why? They were annoying, man. Mike, I, I don't know. Based on this episode, I think he might be a sociopath. No. I like my cats. <laughs> we really need to go through this again. The client told you what happened in confidence. He killed somebody. You can't risk making him a homicide suspect. Russell said he'd be in court at the trial. He also said if anything happened to him, tell the police about Derek Grant. He said if he were taken out, we okay, don't know if he's been killed. So what do we do? Just continue to sit tight? Yes. For how long? What if we do tell the police about Derek Grant? The police go see him, and he tells them how his partner was murdered by Russell Hampton. We just made our client the primary suspect in a murder. Is that what you're suggesting we do? Russell's intent was if he disappears, go to the police. He's disappeared. They're I saying have to make the characters' names a lot this episode. Okay, look. If we go to the police, we tell them as little as possible. We're worried about our client. We think he's in danger. That's it. If necessary, we suggest they talk to Derek Grant. Nothing mm -hmm. else, Derek Grant? no matter what they ask. I should have stopped him. You need to get that out of your mind. Come on. Let's do this. I think Eugene said, let's do this earlier, the too. I think that's like the, his hashtag for the episode. But it's pretty certain. Let's do this. Then why won't they let me out? Because technically, you're only cleared on one rape. The second one. The first one, Amy Henley, the DNA doesn't clear you of that. Well, only because it couldn't be tested. I understand. And it's likely the DA will see it that way. But she wants to talk to the victim and this other suspect. Suspect? I thought the DNA was conclusive. Yes, they've got him on the second rape. On the first, he's just a suspect. Clearly, this is enough for, for at Are least a rape trial, no? That after for proving sure. in court that both rapes were committed by the same man, now they can argue that they were committed by different people? Yes. Where's my bat? This is like the, uh, the your book report that you didn't read the book, so you just keep reciting your thesis statement like over and over and over again. So you're saying that... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, have I ever said on the show how I got away with never reading anything in, in high school? Uh, no, but please elaborate. All right, so here's here's how you do it. Kids, if you're listening at home, and uh, if part of your class discussion is uh, to r talk about what you read in the book, the, the here's the trick. The trick is to always be the second person who has a comment about whatever the book is, whatever the story is, whatever the character is, always raise your hand vehemently. Second time, the, 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 be the second person to answer a question and vehemently disagree with the first person and make it somehow politically tinged. Ooh. And then the whole class gets in an argument about that. And you're like part of the argument. You're like FaceTime. You're talking about stuff. But it doesn't matter. You just like pitch me anything and I will disagree with it and make it political. So Keith says, call your classmates a racist and you will get out of doing book reports. A hundred percent. Yes, exactly. What's going on? <laughs> Daniel, the DA's office doesn't do cartwheels at the chance to free convicted rapists. Even when they turn out to be innocent. In their minds, you haven't turned out to be innocent yet. 
You know, I don't think you, you know, Jim, your point about little women really, really is disrespectful to all women, be them little, be them big, be them medium sized. You know, when you paint with such a broad brush, Jim, yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel, I can and, see and, where you're going with this, Keith. And, and frankly, I think the title is sizest because, yeah. you know, clearly, how little are they? What is the definition of little? And are they really women? Because uh, I, I I didn't read, but I think there's children involved. Yeah, they seem very, they, and, and why are these children looking after themselves and, and, and working so young, at such a young age? I really feel like this is, is a comment on society as a whole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the, the author clearly uh, was in favor of uh, child labor. Keith, do you know who the author was? Uh, well, I'll tell you who the author wasn't. Somebody who was <laughs> responsible. <laughs> Let's just take this one step at a time. This is great news. Your four you know, year it's, sentence, uh, it's gone. It's too bad my good. mother's a librarian. File it under A for Alcott. You're worried about your client. Yes, we think his life and could be in danger. And why is A always first in the alphabet? Why can't A be at the end sometimes? My name is with V. I was always at the end of things. I think we should talk about that. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah. That's it? Ray Abruzzo. You have to tell me more than that. It's privileged, Mike. We can't say more. Well, what do you want me to do? You have to give me something to go on. Look. The warrant squad's already on this. I can't add detectives without information. The warrant squad? There's a man named Derek Grant. Drug dealer, Jamaica Plain. He might know where to find our it's client. Name check Derek Grant a thousand Does times. Russell Hampton have a problem with Derek Grant? <laughs> That's not something we're able to discuss. You can't just tell me Derek Grant and expect Mike. <laughs> That's all we know. Drink! One more As time. As a friend, we're asking you to question the guy. Who? But who? Derek Grant? You can't just ask him a couple of questions? No. Why not? Because Derek Grant was shot to death two nights ago <laughs> on the corner of 128 in Linden. Derek Grant be dead. Derek Grant? I didn't rape any seven-year-old. That's not what I said. You just said I did some seven-year-old rape. That's not... <sighs> All right. Let's try this again. Seven years ago, you raped two women, one named Karen Garvey. I don't think I know the name. I don't think you ever did, but that certainly didn't stop you. You know, I have to be honest with you. I'm kind of losing interest here. You broke into her house. Right. You... It's official. Guys, we need to introduce this with a random bumper. What is it going to be? Oh, it's the Gideon's Crossing theme from the worst episode of Out of Practice. Okay, well, so this actor, Gavin Brown, is played by Jeremy Ratchford, who uh, I don't know if you remember, but I do. He was last seen as Gibbons in Hide and Seek! Oh yeah! We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before, but now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. Here we go. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone dimmer, but you don't fool me. We're not here to judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice. 
as disinterested with this interview as Keith is currently with the podcast because he's got a brand new computer waiting upstairs. <laughs> talk fast, talk fast. All right, then let me see if I can try to get your attention. Your DNA was found at the crime scene. Keith's DNA is going to be found all over that keyboard That's of right. that new computer waiting Your semen upstairs. Was found inside the victim. His semen will remain uh, undiscussed on the podcast. It's funny, Mr. Brown. You don't look so bored anymore. You just I'm sorry, I guilty. quit for a second. <laughs> I'm oh, sure you your mom did, too, after my last comment. I want to know what happened. Forget it. You got a case. Make it. But you're not going to get a thing from me. Fine. Tomorrow morning, my office will charge you with raping Karen Garvey. You'll be stupid, demand a trial, which you'll lose, and a judge will sentence you to 20 years. Are you done? Do I look done? We'll also charge you with raping Amy Henley. Who's that? It's the wrong time to insult me, Mr. Brown. I am giving you a chance to earn my respect. Another man was convicted for both these rapes. He has been in jail for seven years. You could tell the truth and let this man go home to his family. Seems unlikely. I have never raped anyone in my entire life. An innocent man is sitting in prison. Try and get this, Miss Gamble. I don't care. I wouldn't have cared seven years ago. And I don't care now. I have all the residuals from, was it Cold Hello? Case he was on? don't we answer pages anymore? Why? He's in your office. Who? Russell Hampton. He's been in there like an hour. Well, at least he's not dead. Wait, so. Wait, Lucy runs a tight ship. Where the hell have but you been? They did that shot and we never saw her face. I wonder if she wasn't available to film that day and they used her stand-in and had her VO it. Hmm. Because, like, why would you shoot it without seeing her face, at least for, like, some shot? Or that was second covered and something happened to the footage of the first shot. Hmm. Hmm. Conspiracy nowhere theory. else to go. What happened? I meant to be at the trial. I just... Things just got a little out of control. It's uh, not I just about the, the trial anymore. The police want to talk to you about Derek Grant. Why would the police connect me to Derek Grant? He did, man. Because I told him to. You what? I didn't know what else to do. Oh, you Bobby said you would up. be in court at nine when you didn't show. You gave me specific instructions. You ordered me to tell the police. If I was dead. I thought you were dead. Well, don't you think you should have made sure? Bobby, you just gave me up for a murder. All they want to do is talk to you, Russell. I don't believe this. Is he wearing the same sweater? I gotta get myself out of Boston. Well, yeah, when it's rocking, you know. Ooh. Eugene just clotheslined him? He, oh, shit! He's well, that's why he's wearing the sweater. What happened yeah. to you? What do you think? I got shot. That sweater looks like he's going to Hogwarts. You need to get to the hospital. I'm fine. Well... Look, I don't know what happened, okay? I went to see Grant. We were talking, and I thought... Derek Grant? I'm okay. You know, he, he doesn't know it's me. You're going to have to be more specific. Next thing I know, he just started shooting. Uh, all right, look, if it was self-defense, we'd explain pew. it. 
It's like a, it's like something just snapped in my head. I just. Russell, listen to me. I told them you weren't here. Who? Well, there she is. Russell Hampton, you're under arrest for the murder of Derek Grant. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can so be they just let him bleed out in the office, law. he would have been dead, in which case it would have made everything okay. One, one will be That's right. For you. <laughs> Gets me I'm time. sorry, Mrs. Garvey. The results were confirmed. Because I run out of air and I can barely get the last few out. I wouldn't be here. There's no mistake. The man you identified is not the man who raped you. It just doesn't make sense. This is Garvey. When it's played happened, by Lisa Jane while it Persky. happened, I studied his face. I knew how important it would be to remember. Mrs. Garvey, you were shown a photo array. Some experts think that this puts too much pressure on the victim to pick out one that looks most like the attacker. That's not what happened. I know it was him. Well, that's tough. His name is Gavin Brown. He, he looks a little like the man you identified. Gavin? Doesn't another look victim anything like the guy you identified. Too. And she was also likely mistaken. I am not mistaken. This is not the man. Please, Miss Henley, take another look. There is a reason. I know the man who raped me, Miss Gamble. This isn't him. That's what Karen Garvey said, and until this morning, she was a hundred percent sure that the right man was in prison. Now we're a hundred percent sure she's wrong. Did the DNA clear Daniel Glenn of my rape? No. The sample in yours was too degraded to be tested. What do Daniel you think, Michael Glenn and Deglio? Did he do it? Raped me. I Maybe this the, man the raped Karen Garvey. Miss Henley. Daniel no. Glenn did landscaping for both you and Karen Garvey. We think that's how you knew him. Now, when the police showed you photos at the precinct, you both picked him out because he looked familiar. I was raped for over an hour. Yikes. The man responsible was inches away. I know you believe it was Daniel Glenn. Oh, you don't think I'm sure? Yikes. She has scars me. across her chest. He licked my blood off the knife. I can still see his face as he... With all due respect, you never testified to that at trial. I couldn't even bring myself to remember it at trial. But I remember it now. And I remember the face on the man who did it. It was Daniel Glenn. Was he convicted in two separate trials? You can't have a combine like a combo rape trial. Uh, 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 no, I think you can't, and I think that's what they did. Because like, if you're a serial killer, don't they uh, do multiple? Oh, I guess so. Because that it's interesting because it's still see. But then what? I guess okay. So it's possible then he would have been found guilty of one of the rapes and not the other. Like, it's possible well, that one of them raped each. It, 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 no, it is. It certainly is possible. But they made a point of saying that the prosecution in this trial tied the was, two together. Right. Tied the two together inextricably. So either way, so 
all we know for sure, the only thing that is certain here is that the DA's office, their case that they presented was fucked. Right. It was at least half wrong. Right. Possibly whole wrong. Commonwealth versus Russell Hampton on the charge. Now, guys, you know, Keith and I have had had comments. We're halfway through the episode thus far. Right. Just like last week in Twisty Twist, the questions presented here are very, very interesting. Right. In both yeah. ways. Bobby tried to do the right thing. Eugene cautioned him against. Here we are. We've now we've got Bobby a went off half cocked like like always. In this case, whereas Helen usually, you know, like in different versions of Helen, she'd probably tell Lindsay to go go jump off a bridge, right? Like, no way. But mm -hmm. here she did the favor, and now she's doing her due diligence to try to, like, actually get an innocent man, quote unquote, if he is out. Like, she's doing, she's going through all the motions. She's, like, going above and beyond for Lindsay here, really. Um, yeah. And well, and we also saw a, a little flash from Bill Simitrovich's Bill Simitrovich's character, where he seemed to care. Yeah, about so, Kenneth, ADA Kenneth Walsh. Yeah, but we're backed into a corner because we're getting no confession and there's no concrete proof. It's not just that the 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 sample is degraded. This lady is very confident, right? Right. The victim, and so it's hard. And her and and her. The trauma she is clearly exhibiting only strengthens her as as an eyewitness. So, right, uh, we are we are great questions asked. We are our backs are against the proverbial wall, which is very interesting. Can we stick the landing? Yeah. To murder in the first degree. We're ready. Plead not guilty. Well, Mr. Hampton, now I understand why you didn't want to show up for trial. You've been busy. I object to that. I apologize. Ben. No bail. We'll set a trial date for March 10th. Put him back in lockup. Your Honor, the Commonwealth is seeking a blood sample from this defendant. On what grounds? There was blood found at the crime scene as well as on the victim. We believe the blood may have come from the defendant. They have no legal basis to make that connection. In fact, I don't know what the probable cause is to even connect my client to the crime. Well, the suspect's life was in danger. We were told that by Mr. Donnell. Mr. Donnell also requested that we question the victim in connection with the suspect's disappearance. And the suspect has a wound. Something tells us the suspect's blood might be found near the victim. They're using privileged information. You waived it. I don't have the authority to waive it. It was my mistake. But the Commonwealth shouldn't be penalized for it, Mr. Donnell. I'm ordering the warrant for the blood test. In the future, counsel, you might not want to tip the police off to your client's crimes. Ooh. Adjourned. Zing. Bobby. Just Bobby, fucked you done up. fucked up. Mm. Have a seat. I'm not getting a good feeling. We're clearing Daniel Glenn on the rape of Karen Garvey. And we will agree to a new trial on the rape of Amy Henley. Okay, that's what? fair. Lindsay, it's Based possible these have. two rapes were committed by two different men. You've got to be kidding. Amy Henley is positive that your client... Karen Garvey was positive. Witnesses are positive all the time. Gavin Brown also denies the Henley rape. Oh, if great. We... Let's take his word. Lindsay. Oh, come on, Helen. This is politics. You know Daniel Glenn is innocent. We don't know. We don't know Is this know your that. call? Look, Lindsay, I don't want to fight. I asked you a question, Helen. Is this your call? No, it comes from above. 
Lindsay, the fact is, we don't know Daniel Glenn is innocent. If we did, things might be different. You know. We don't know. You know. No, we don't. Well, and also, the burden of proof to overturn a conviction is basically have to prove innocence. You gave me up. I didn't give you up. You told the police. Well, so I thought you were gave dead. You said if you were taken out to go to the police. I, I thought... Look, there's a possibility we can suppress what I told them. If so, you told the police I was at your office, didn't you? Once again, this is one of those tropies, Keith, I think, where unless this guy's real close with Bobby, that Bobby would be freaking out that he was like something harm may have come to him. He would have sat on it a bit longer like Eugene recommended, right? But he went off half cocked. In the, now, I would, it would be more believable if like they're, if they're pals from way back, right? And he's like, oh my God, somebody, something happened to Keith, I gotta find out. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. And beyond that, like what the instruction given was, if I am killed, make sure he doesn't get away with it. So there's no ticking clock on that. It's not like he's going to abduct me. If I disappear, come rescue me. So he's like, I'm dead either way. So that like, if he's assuming that, oh, he got murdered, then if he waits a week, if he waits a month. There's, they're still going to be able to get the guy who did it. Yeah, it's just like Bobby's been. I think Bobby's suffering from some like really severe anxiety, and we need to get him on meds. I, I, I'm, I care you about. You stole me, and you, hmm. and you gave them time to arrest me. Of course, I didn't do that, Russell. We thought Derek Grant killed you. We're on your side. So what happens now? Bobby and I are going to do some research. We'll come back to you with a plan. How do I stay safe? Derek Grant has a lot of friends. They could take me out right in here. This place is guarded. Derek Grant? They won't get in here. Gave me up. We didn't give you up. Eh. A little bit. Eugene just gave him a face like, yeah, you totally <laughs> did. <laughs> the really splitting hairs is, here, Bobby. Since privilege is the client's right to assert, if the lawyer reveals privileged information, can the client still prevent it from being used against them? But if the client gave permission... This just in, a Mike prediction, somehow they're going to get him, they're going to get him found not guilty of the murder, and guess what? He gets murdered in prison. That's the twist. Mm. Wave privilege. We'll challenge whether he did that. Jimmy, help Rebecca. Eleanor, I'd like you to pitch in, too. I'm working on the Morris case. Drop whatever else you got. I'm we just uh, succeeded just showing in getting up our, our client arrested for murder. That's bad for business. I want everybody on I worked on 45 it. minutes this week. But I got on this baller zip up. The first Thank victim you. insists she made the right ID. <laughs> How can this be? Sometimes the victim becomes invested in the He's ID. barely recognizable. They young want it to be him. The police tell her it's him. So in her mind, she starts playing along. It's got she that like putting the monkey's haircut. His face mm -hmm. into those memories. It's called retroactive interference. I've got doctors who can testify to it. Where were those doctors at my first trial? Well, they'll be at this one. So I'm going to be prosecuted all over again. Unfortunately, yes. Dude, it's still a better scenario. And by, and continuing to like shame your lawyer who's doing her best to help you out ain't your best tactic here, man. You know, to play devil's advocate, let's say he didn't do either of these and he's been in prison for seven years. I'd be a little salty about it. 
Yeah, but also you just admitted 20 minutes ago, Keith, that you're going to play devil's advocate just to admit you didn't read the book. So I ain't trusting your opinion here. The DA's office doesn't know (laughs) you're innocent. And without being able to prove that you are, there's no... Although I did see the rundown, so I I am aware you did watch this episode at least twice. What? Twice? There is someone who can prove you're innocent. Who? Gavin Brown. Gavin! Do I look that crazy? Daniel Glenn got 40 years for something you did. Yeah, and children are starving to death in Krapistan. My father never hugged me enough. Mr. Brown. I'm not interested. Uh, uh, writer's room? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna allow it this one time, but if you ever put anything as stupid as Krapistan on my desk again, we're gonna have conversation. Oh, oh, because uh, the, the rest of this season has been so excellent. <laughs> Are 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 you qualifying your own shitty work? I I'm just saying, like you know, sometimes uh, the writing on the show's been good this season, and sometimes it's a uh, crapistan. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I know why you're here, and I don't care. Let's talk self-interest. Yours or mine? Yours. I know you're not, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? They have DNA on the Garvey rape. That means 20 years, maybe more. I might know a way you could do less time. I'm listening. You'd need to confess to the Amy Henley rape. Confess to a rape the DA can't prove. That's how you think I'll do less time? Yes. The DA will reduce my sentence if I confess to another rape? The DA might reduce your sentence for letting an innocent man go free. You have something the DA wants. And that is? The truth. So I get a complete pass on rape number one. Yes. And a reduced sentence for rape number two. Why would the DA ever go along with that? Good question. Certainly incentivizing him to lie. We can get 20 years for the rape we can If he prove. didn't do it. I'm not giving him less time for admitting he raped another woman. That was a great woman. cut that Helen, we stepped on. You can try Gavin Brown. Use we the DNA and get your cuts. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Then you can retry Daniel Glenn. And hey, you might even win there too. You'll get everything you want. Except the truth. You think you know what the truth is, Lindsay? Gavin Brown does. And he's Gavin willing Brown? to trade it in exchange for a deal. It's not that simple. It isn't that simple because she just incentivized him for to a false confession. If he didn't do it, yeah. Also, uh, Jorge, somebody, I'd love to know how many times they say the full name of a character on this episode that's not in our main cast. It's like we're why can't it's it gotta be? be near like forty at this point? It's definitely above Look, ten. All I'm asking is that you hear it's him ten out. Ten per scene. If you think he's lying. Call it off and try them both. But if you believe him, if he convinces you he's guilty, make the deal and release my client. Your office doesn't want the wrong man in prison any more than I do. Look, I was willing to do you a favor. Well, then do me another one. Lindsay's super invested here, too. Uh, It was a three-day trial for two rapes. At least we're getting context as to her investment here, more than like Bobby's. I should have. <sighs> Lindsay, get Mr. Brown a lawyer. 
Bobby's the type of person who gets too invested in everything. I'm not like he's like a I'm going to flip the table over Monopoly kind of a guy. Truthful, if the current client was a uh, even a remotely pretty woman, he pretty, pretty woman, he'd probably be dating her currently. Hundred percent. He did it, Miss Dole. He'll have enough specifics. How could he not? It was seven years ago, and from his demeanor, he probably forgot about raping Amy Henley ten minutes after he did it. We are making progress, Daniel. We just can't get our hopes up. Thank you for trying. Let's just hope it works. Bobby's sitting alone, for, forlorn in his office. Eugene's here, heart to heart time. You warned me not to go forward. Yes, he did. One of these days, I'll listen to you. No, you won't. He instructed Unlikely. you to go forward if you were killed. Which he wasn't. Russell Hampton is responsible for his situation, Bobby. He murdered two people. Yeah, that's a good point, Eugene. <laughs> Fair enough. But he's in custody because his own lawyer gave him up. That's also a good point. Yeah, but before we're throwing any darts around here, Jimmy made a cup. Jimmy tried to do the right thing by saving a kid's life, and Eugene reported him to the bar. That's 100% true. Yeah, Eugene, why aren't you reporting Bobby to the bar right now? I mean, Bobby thought he was doing the right thing. He's just a dummy. <laughs> dumb, dumb. This is it? Dumb, dumb we Bobby. Oh, we saw Lucy's face there. This that doesn't good. help me. That's the research, Bobby. Don't blame the researchers. I gotta be able to tell them something more than this. We'll keep looking. Everybody's got a line. Eugene, I'm going to see the client. Jimmy pays for lunch. I don't think you like the research. Yeah. Sokolov coming in hot with those hot I've read the agreement. Zing clear. He gets 10 years in full satisfaction for both crimes. Provided we believe he's telling the truth. That's pretty subjective. How do we know you'll live up to your end? Because, Mr. Palmer, I gave you my word. With all due respect, Ms. Gamble, you've tried to back out of these deals before. Yeah, I've also killed cops. I'm gonna need so more shut than just up. your word. Then take mine. Bobby killed the cops. Helen killed the uh, suspect. We have a deal, counsel. <laughs> Let's get it done. <laughs> but you. while we're doing it, I know that lawyer from somewhere. Sorry, I totally stepped on what you're about to say. No, I wasn't about to say anything. Okay, good. Well, this uh, lawyer is played by Cooper Thornton. From Fracture, Flight Plan, The House of Sand and Fog, and you might know him from Parks and Rec, and I know him from The Ring 2. Love The Ring series. Doesn't ring a bell. You already know about Karen Garvey. Comedian? Can't really argue with DNA. We'll get to Karen Garvey later. Tell us how you raped Amy Henley. She was my first. Back then, I was strictly a burglary guy. Creepy monologue I'd time. I'd these houses, and I'd try to make sure people weren't home. And I'd get inside, take a look around, but... You know, a couple of times, it turns out I was wrong. And I'd get inside and... 
find a woman sleeping upstairs. Is that how you found Amy Henley? There's a lot of women I never touched. I was standing right above them and they never knew. Well, in that but case... after a while, I started thinking about doing things. Is he going to talk about cutting her? That's the big question, right? That's what we're That's for. That's the thing. But Amy, she was just my first. We need to know what happened, Mr. Brown. I raped her. How did you get inside the house? It's, uh, it's seven years ago. Does that mean you don't remember? No, I don't know. Maybe I, uh, I think I went around back and, and found a way in. The details escape you? Uh, that detail, yes. So you have no recollection? Look, that's what I did. I broke into houses. Uh, most of the time, I, I'd punch out a window, or if I could, I'd pick the lock, but... I, I, I didn't keep a log of which house was what. We're listening. I raped her. Where? In the bedroom. I already told you that. Weapon? Knife. A folding knife. Did you stab or injure her with the knife? No. get that detail well because he did it well i mean or lindsay, a, or lindsay fed it to him or there's an eight minute twisty twist because that's pretty convincing which until he got to that detail helen fed him the knife part now if at the end of the episode right before credits if we find him making out with lindsay in the bathroom then we know <laughs> In a nun's habit. It was Brown. Wow. Lindsay. It was made. Your client will be released today. Wow. We haven't had like a straight up victory in a while. My office thanks you. I guess Certainly not this season. a team effort, huh, Lindsay? I better go tell him. The first time this entire season that somebody. Oh my god, dude! uh, We just passed two blatant product placements. The computer had the back of the computer had a giant compact logo on it, and the and the Xerox machine had a giant Xerox logo on it. Xerox, yeah. Wow, that was crazy. I owe you, Helen. Well, you know, I owe you. Ratings are starting to slip. Yeah, get those bills. I love that little team up moment there. What about an appeal? We can try, but to be honest, I don't think it'll work. It's my blood, Bobby. When the tests come back, they'll know I killed him. All the blood does is put you at the scene. It doesn't prove you killed anyone. What about self-defense? You said we could argue self-defense. And we will. That's a winner, right? Because this guy, this, this, this guy was going to kill me, Bobby. The problem, you knew that meeting might get violent. You went there with a gun. It's your fault. When this started, all they had was a dime bag of crack. Now they're going to charge me with murder. You told me to go forward if, if I was dead. Do I look dead? Hey, they couldn't charge you with murder if you didn't keep killing people. You gave me up. 
Shut up, Russell, and just listen. I think we should consider he's got insanity. Well, I mean, the only thing you got to worry about with Russell now is when he gets out of prison is yeah. that he, if he like Donnie Wahlberg's him, you know what I mean? That's true. We haven't had well, a Donnie in a you while. You said it yourself. Something snapped. You felt as though you, you flipped a switch. No, I'm not crazy. You were out of control. No, this is your fault, we Bobby. We can make you a showing that you can distinguish no, right I trusted you from wrong. This what you... I knew it was going to happen. He's attacking Bobby. Where's Eugene? It's a Donnie Bobby Brooks. Bobby with his tie. Bobby's poking his eyes out. What the hell? Bobby McRambo! Bobby is literally poking his eyes out! Oh my god! Yo, who's gonna save the day, Keith? Bobby's done. I gotta say, Dylan did a lot of that himself. At least this was a believable Bobby McGram. This is like that. I totally buy that. I do too. It was escalated properly. Bobby put up a fight because he's our hero, but ultimately the bigger guy like got the upper hand right. as it should be. No, it was all earned. Bobby gets out of the sticky situation. My guess is that they're going to appoint a new lawyer at this juncture. I, I think it might be a good idea. I, I, I sense some tension between my uh, my apologies if I if I if I clipped out there. I was screaming pretty loud, so uh, <laughs> my apologies. Get a medic now. I guess we're gonna have to put a hard limiter on this episode. Go get a doctor. We should put a hard limiter on every episode. <laughs> And that hard limit is an hour, and we break it every time. <laughs> I was going to say mute, but either way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where is he? He's okay. He's bruised, and he's shaking up, but he's okay. And he might have poked out a few Where's eyes. Lindsay? I couldn't reach her. He's got some eyeballs under his All fingernails. Right. Well, Whatever. Let's just keep it together in there. So he Lindsay was winning her, her case whilst Bobby was getting his ass handed to him. Are you okay? No! I'm fine. Well, how's the other guy look? Good one, Jim. Jimmy! They'll let me out tomorrow. I talked to the court. They assigned Russell Hampton to another lawyer. Oh, that's good. Look, guys, I'm okay. Are you? I God talked to the guy. gonna let you out tomorrow? You and everybody talk at once, okay? Well, it's worked for us. 
<laughs> we do it for about two and a half hours every week. Uh, the real question on everybody's mind is, how would James Spader have fared in that fight? Mmm. Mmm. Listen, Bobby, you should get some rest. I'm fine. Are you? You don't need to worry, okay? P.S. Hey, uh, everyone's at the hospital. Where's your wife? She's having drinks with The Alan. only person not there is his wife. Skinny margaritas! <laughs> what? <laughs> She's celebra they're celebrating. <laughs> He's getting drunk with Helen. Great. Yeah. Gonna have another food fight. Oh, now we're gonna Look see him. This. Oh, this I is can fit guy. my entire life into one cardboard box. So he has spent seven years in prison. What are you gonna do, Daniel? Sure has. Have you thought about work or where you live? No, not really. I, um, it's like starting a podcast. family in New York. Listen, uh, Miss Dole. I said before, you know, how it stuck with me. How much you cared. But uh, I never... Said thank you. What do you say to a person who just gave you your life back? Well, I think you tell her to go to the hospital and check out her almost dead husband. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why, why are you or looking at me? Or maybe they should make out, because Bobby did it with the other, with his the client. The truth is, I didn't care. Oh, shit. At least not enough. I put on a day and a half defense for two rapes. I am... Um, those victims, they... They didn't just convince themselves you were the guy or the jury. They convinced me as well. Kelly Williams trying to steal that oopsie from Bobby who just got his ass beat. It wasn't malpractice. I gave it the old three-day college try. <sighs> but that's all you got. I'm not the lawyer who gave you your life back. I'm the one that helped you lose seven years of it. So should you sue me? I'm sure my carrier would work out some sort of settlement. And I never said no. Wow. So, uh... Yeah. Until we meet again. You know, there's an old saying, Keith, and it goes a little something mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough counting. When you admit malpractice and ask a guy to sue you and you just got him out of prison and you could have just kept your mouth shut and not had any consequences. Something like that. Wow, I was wondering how far that was going to go and it <laughs> went much further than I expected. Like, thanks, Lindsay, but uh, was that necessary? I was. My point there is my song was over unnecessarily long, as was her admission to fucking up his case. Well, look, you know, she's right. The, the malpractice will cover her. She won't pay anything. And, you know, she he deserves a lollipop or something. Mm, that's fair. Uh, was I uh, enough out of enough out of tune that uh, we're not going to get that Kenny, that that sweet, sweet incoming Kenny Rogers strike? <laughs> 
They just like let him walk out of prison now? He just like walks out? Well, he's an innocent man now. They, yeah, but there's like a Good whole other process. Him. I don't think they just like open the bars and you walk out. No, but it'd probably give him a little more leeway. Okay, right, folks, no. we did it. It is time to hop back over to the YouTubes if you care to see our smiling faces. Otherwise, just keep listening. Because we're going to do our after show, show, show. And we are b -b 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 back, baby. Yes, we are. We have just watched The Practice Season 6, Episode 11, The Test. And now it is time to test Mike's memory with uh, multiple recaps of the show, starting with... Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Well, yo, Bobby, like, is working with some guy, and he's like, yo, if I'm dead, call the cops. So he doesn't show up for court. Bobby calls the cops. Turns out he ain't dead. He's fingered for murder. And then he tries to beat the living hell out of Bobby. But Bobby makes it. Lindsay... Uh, helps out this rape guy that she didn't do a good case with years ago, but she does a better job. This time, her and Helen do like a buddy cop team up, and guess what? He's out. And then Lindsay's like, and he has some sweet, sweet cash on the side. Kenny Rogers. And still gets called rape guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, hold on. And right here, Mike is making uh, fingers. Because I just need you to give me five seconds, Keith, uh, that I will oh. edit out because I totally forgot <laughs> to write a write a goopsy. <laughs> oh no! Well, see, last time you, we we made you do it on the fly, and you actually did really well. Okay, so wait. So okay, I, I I think this is this is it. Improvised haiku, haikoopsie by Mike and Deglio. You get your bumper. Uh, where's Hakuzi You can use your fingers. Uh, oh boy. I'm feeling very uncomfortable about this. <laughs> rape guy didn't rape. <laughs> Lindsay and Helen do good. Yes. Bobby's ass gets kicked. Yes. Well done. <laughs> All right, let me get out of this thing now. Let well done. You know, I think you're going to have to improvise them every week now. Not you bad. You did so good. You did Not so bad. good. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what else is good? It's our very spectacular award show that begins like this. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast in unofficial unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, I'll tell you, Jackie, there are a fake awards show that begins every week with the highest note and the biggest segment. Most valuable! Oh, 
Well, I mean, I, I, how can it not be Lindsay, right? I mean, Bobby crushed it. <laughs> and got crushed. So, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lindsay, you know, I guess if we, we're not judging seven year ago, Lindsay, who clearly phoned that one in so hard that she, she felt sure the need did. to come clean about it. The old three-day college try? Wow, that... She really put all her cards on the table, so to speak. She sure did. She was honest. Uh, but current day Lindsay, even though she still was skeptical, called in some two huge favors and really somehow convinced Helen to go above and beyond and elicit a uh, confession. And what's interesting, actually, we can talk about it in the episode, like the the cut thing. Uh, we'll talk about that later. R- regardless, I think Helen or uh, Lindsay really is the MVP here. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think you could make an argument that. Helen played a really big part in this and was willing to do go the extra mile uh, on Lindsay's behalf. And the but it did seem like both she and uh, and Simitrovich's character actually gave a shit this mm-hmm. time that mm-hmm. an innocent person was in prison, and so that was great. But yeah, no, obviously it's Lindsay. Lindsay uh, made this whole thing happen. Did several rounds of negotiations, several rounds of good lawyering, and therefore she gets hurt. M-V-L. Good job, Lindsay. All right, well, let's find out who else did a good job. Here we go. In. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch the first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You know, we've got some choices here. Yeah. I think the two victims. Well, <laughs> actually, you got three really good choices, right? You got the two. Uh, you've got both of our Walking Dead cast members who mm-hmm. had to play. You know, I think uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan really had to play like a whole bunch of things because he had to like seem potentially guilty, right? Still from right. from the get and then he had to play that sort of I've been locked in prison for too long angst and and a lot he had to show a, a wide range whereas uh inform me of the other of Bobby's client's name the actor Michael Cutlets yes Mike, uh Michael Chicken Cutlets he definitely was giving me like he had two major uh notes to play right the anxious, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, and the, uh, I'm going to murder Bobby. Those were his two mm-hmm. kind of main mm-hmm. directives. Did them did them well, though I will say that I found uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's performance to be a little more subtle, which I pretend, tend to like. Uh, uh, you, saw, you saw it a little bit more under the surface. Also, I want to give a shout out, however, to the actual rapist. Actual rapist. Jeremy Ratchford. The... He, who Look, played the character of the actual rapist. Played the character of the actual rapist. Thanks for that clarification. I don't want anybody mm. writing me a, an email. Uh, here's the thing. I would assume somebody's listening to this. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, specifically mm. his, his. you know, Je- I wish I could remember the specifics. Jen highlighted a potential. She's like, you might get an email about that. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait um, to tell you about this off air, <laughs> actually. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um 
You know, often there are a lot of times we get like the creepy rapists or the creepy bad guy and that's what they play. And you and I often comment, well, you know, it's like we can't award them for that because it's just a one, it's, it's just like a one note thing. However, sometimes people do it real good. And this guy was really effing good, right? Yeah. It didn't yeah. feel over the top. It wasn't seen chewy. He was just a dude who didn't give an F and was only looking out for himself. And I thought that he was believable. It was excellent. Yeah. However, ultimately, I think I want to go with Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, because I liked the, the the plethora of intentions he had to play. That's my pick. Interesting. Interesting. Because I I would not have... I have two that I'm torn between. And, it, okay. and Jeffrey Dean Morgan is not on the list. Okay, great. For me, it's definitely between Michael Cudlitz and Jeremy Ratchford. Okay. Um, because I thought they both... I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan did a great job. But he's just sort of like, I'm a nice guy, I'm innocent. Whereas, okay. you know, and, and you're right, Michael Michael Cudlis's performance is not subtle, but what's a subtle way to beat the shit out of Bobby in your prison cell? Like, mm -hmm. I, it's not yeah, really it's a... Uh, and I thought he did a great job. But you know what? I think Jeremy Ratchford did such a good job being creepy. Mm -hmm. And because he had to, with all these like big guest stars on there, he had to sort of handle the linchpin of the episode and he had to sort of make that all believable and take us on a journey from uh wait is he lying when he didn't remember how we got in and then like oh wait no no it is the truth and like we think we, we sort of we go on a journey as he's giving his monologue and i thought he did a really good job so and he saw that ambiguity you know we'll talk about that we'll talk about that yeah because we, we weren't thought. sure yeah. we, we, we're not sure if he was lying or not so congratulations, Jeremy Ratchford and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Now it is time. It is time for. It is time for. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Now keep this finally gets us to 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 prove false a false narrative about you and I. Oh. It has oft been said that it, should you shed a tear. People say that we will just hand you the oopsie. Now in in that regard, Lindsay should be a no-brainer here. Uh Kelly Williams, she had a mm -hmm. great uh emotional release at the end of the episode where she told she confessed her in her her perceived inadequacies in her mm -hmm. early days as a lawyer she cried even though she should be celebrating and it was great acting kelly williams is always excellent you know how i feel about that however in this case you said it as the scene was progressing and you were right i thought bobby though his motivations were a little unclear for his like his his like angst over finding this his client of his that's that's the writing right we can we can dissect the writing later that's not dylan mcdermott making those choices that he was putting that he had to play that and he did uh and you see him really hurting over it and and going back and forth whether he made a mistake he and eugene have some or he and steve williams have some great steve harris have some great scenes together uh but as you said in that ass kicking scene they were no, I didn't see no stunt doubles. I mean, Bobby got his, Dylan got his ass kicked. 
and was, I believed it. He was choking the life out of him, and Dylan played the shit out of that. I thought from front to back, Dylan McDermott was excellent in this episode. He had to play Bobby McRambo within the framework of like a really grounded episode, so it worked on all levels. I really was impressed by his performance this episode. I think it's Dylan McDermott. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I think it's it's very clear from the footage that there's only a couple of shots where they used a stunt for Bobby. He really did a lot of that himself. And you know what? Honestly, like he he played this whole episode well. You know, and again, the writing of it, how how irresponsible Bobby is. But I don't know. We talk about it in tires. But at this point. It's not a weird thing that they wrote into an episode. This is a de definitive character flaw in the character of Bobby. Mm. That he goes off half-cocked. Half he gets too emotionally invested. This is like who the character is. At, and so, you know, you have to sort of expect it now. It's, it's part of the deal. Uh, but yeah, he did a really good job. He showed, um, you know, some vulnerability earlier. And, uh, you know, you do your own, most of your own stunts and uh, you get noopsy. So, Dylan McDermott... Wait a oopsie in this episode. Uh, let's find out what uh, our favorite uh, old quarterback is up to in the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Keith's been knocking him out of the parks. Last week was uh, no idea. I just know. I don't remember no either. Earthly idea. But this week is it. it this week, we, you know we what? recorded that four days ago. <laughs> But, Keith, to uh, lighten your workload, I'm making this one easy. It's just Tom Brady and that ugly green-ass sweater. Tom Brady in an ugly green-ass sweater. You know that sweater I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, I I do. But, of course, I'm like, now, can I make a sweater out of green asses? I don't know. <laughs> you know, make it harder. I'm trying to, like, help you out here. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the easy one. Let's get to it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to Gets. It's almost like they were they took a time machine to the future, Keith. Listen to our bitching and moaning about the tropes after tropes after tropes. And like one by one did the opposite this week for me. Like <clears throat> total this was totally ripe for you know what? We're going to give he, the guy's going to give his confession, but it's not going to be uh convincing or it's not going to be conclusive. And so Helen's going to make a decision one way or the other that we'll have to take back and be like, well, what, what was it? Like, which way did it go? What's interesting is that this is the type of episode where that might have been kind of interesting, actually, because the questions, it would have highlighted more questions about how, you know, like these things hinge on, on a very thin fulcrum. However, the fact that they, they let it play out. In fact, both of our cases were conclusive, conclusively decided. Yeah. In our to our win, right? And on top of that, not, not necessarily for Bobby, but yeah, uh, yes, yeah, okay, that's fair. We can <laughs> dissect that a little differently. But uh, let me put it this way: uh, another thing, another trope that we kind of every main player in in our our heroes across the board, either in the DA's office or in our firm. Really, and you mentioned this a few times, we're acting in the best interest of justice, right? They want it right. the best for, you know, like Helen and Lindsay work together to like really 
try to get an innocent man out of prison if that were the case. And they both did went above and beyond their due diligence to, to achieve that. Bobby really tried to like look out for his client's well-being, even though he had admitted to murder for him and tried to like look out for his well-being while trying to not finger him for murder. And then even after he was still trying to win that case fervently and like it only changed when he had to like fight for his life. <laughs> right. Right. That's true. And on top of that, we also got, you know, whereas the, the the shouting over each other and the quibbles and the squabbles of the inner office, which we often sometimes play for laughs and sometimes it's just too much, or it's them selling each other out or to the bar or whatnot. In, in the end, when Bobby's hurt, they all come running like a family. And I don't know. I, I That all worked for me, right? Like, maybe it's a one-off, but it just, it all worked for me. I thought there are some issues I have with the writing, like, it felt sometimes it just seems like asynchronous like it's just but like you said they have baked it into bobby that he goes off half cocked so it's not it's not totally right. out of nowhere and you know the Lindsay thing she she they really gave context to why she was felt so invested right why she had to fight so hard this time so that was really kind of full circle for me i just really thought it was good i mean they don't all have to be no yes there was a bombastic action sequence so i, I guess it's not just like a a, a plain case but i gotta say like ultimately i really enjoyed it any nits i had i'm willing to kind of it didn't bother me so much and we were we, i was really compelled and, and it really put all of our characters back in a really good light that i i appreciated and you know even the guy even the people like uh eleanor and and jimmy who weren't and uh, not so much uh lucy but we're and did we see rebecca at all she had like one line. Yeah, about the they research. were at least researching, right? They they were working hard to to support. Um, I don't know. I, I I guess ultimately I want to give it eight point more than that. Eight point six five spare tires is what I'm yeah. feeling. Yeah. Well, uh, before I I speak, I do want to give credit where credit is due to the stunt people. Oh, Ray yes, Lincoln's uh, was the stunt double for Mike Cu Michael Cutlets and Ron Sorrell's was the stunt double. So, stunt double for Dylan McDermott. And the stunt coordinator was Ernie F. Orsati. Uh, good work on, on everybody's part. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like this episode, too. Um, I thought that the all of the stakes were high for each of these cases. And yet, the, um, the uh, what happened was also earned. And, you know, the big the big fight at the end, which normally, you know, I, I hate Bobby McRambo. I'm not totally. interested in the sort of like super over the top, pew pew kind of a thing. But this actually felt earned. It felt like this character would do this. It felt like this character would do this in this situation. It felt like Bobby would put himself in this situation. And the fight itself felt realistic. Um, and... Uh, you know, he didn't, like, smash a guy out of a window and hang him by his ankles for, like, in a way that you would never imagine was possible. <laughs> like, this fight was down and dirty and there, and he did get his ass kicked, and I thought that that was, I thought that that was, that was good. Um, you know, and Lindsay's situation there, at this time, um, at, sort of at the beginning of when DNA became a big deal, this sort of thing was happening. And so it is perfectly understandable, or not understandable, but it's perfectly believable 
that Lindsay would have this type of a case come up and, and we would go through this journey. Uh, and I thought they they did that really well. So honestly, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was one of the stronger episodes this season and which has not been that strong. You know, and it was uh, it for for an episode that ended in a brawl, it wasn't Twisty McTwisterson. Mm-hmm. The bad guy did it, you know, and there was no, um, it didn't feel shoehorned. And so, yeah, I've got to give, I've got to give credit uh, to, uh, hold on, i got to pull it up. I think it was Lucas Ryder who, uh, where is my rundown? Good Lord. No when to fold them. <laughs> no when credit. to walk away. Yeah, I'm no ready to walk to away. Run. I got a, I have a computer like eight feet directly know, above man. me. I hear you. Uh, I'm looking I got to give credit to Lucas Ryder, who who wrote this. However, Lucas Ryder, um, here's one thing you don't necessarily need to do, Lucas Ryder, is uh, perpetually say full names of other characters, Lucas Ryder. So Mike and Deglio, I don't. Everyone can see your name on the screen. So if I reference Mike and Deglio, I don't necessarily need to say Mike and Deglio to infer that Michael Michael and Deglio is my podcast host here on the Out of Practice podcast with Keith Varney and Michael and Deglio. I'm gonna state it too. Like I'm fairly confident, and I'm generally never fairly confident about anything that we mm-hmm. have had this conversation before many right? times. Yes, like this isn't a new phenomenon. Well, it is a particular pet peeve of mine. Uh, it's not a pet. It's it's just something that I I was given the advice as a young writer to look out for that because it is it happens to everybody. Everybody starts out that way, and then had to having to go through scripts removing eighty percent of the times a character says another character's name. Look, I get it when you if if you're if you have an arc that's continuing multiple episodes or you're coming back from commercial and you want to reiterate certain pertinent information get it but like you said in 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 a single scene six to ten drops of the certain guy's name is is a little nuts yeah and i i understand you need to go for clarity we've got to remember who these things are but like the way my brain works i'm not i'm not i don't hear names really i you know the name becomes a symbol for what that character means and i don't i don't remember any of the names of any of the characters i can read an entire novel and not mm-hmm. tell you the name of the protagonist because the name just becomes a symbol and it means this person to me. Of course, if know, you don't maybe... reiterate it 17 times, I'm li- liable to call you rape guy. So that's maybe <laughs> it's for me specifically. <laughs> it's just for you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I really liked the episode. I thought it was very strong. I'm going to give an 8.82 spare tires. So there before it we, is. Before we kip, mm. guys, uh, if Mike... Uh, decides to do his due diligence, you should be seeing the scene in which Jeffrey Dean Morgan bashes in the head of that Ooh, other guy. Gross. Uh, with this bat here. And if not, yeah. I'm just going to show a screenshot for something. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Let's find out how lazy Mike is of a Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good point. You do bring up a good, solid point. Uh, well, <laughs> once an episode... All right, folks, you have gotten your way through the Out of Practice podcast talking about the practice season six, episode 11, The Test. 
If you would like to join the conversation, please do so. Send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're at it, join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Let us know. We'll be psyched to welcome you to the jury. Speaking of people we are psyched about, this episode is brought to you by founding sponsors Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know you can get your name on that list? I know you've been dying to. Make Pete mm. just have to graphic design another list of people's names. Oh. I know you want to. You can do so by clicking the links in our show notes. You can make a one-time contribution. It's very helpful. We gotta buy that computer Pete just bought. It's true. Or you can donate monthly, and it'll just take it right out of your bank account. You won't even know what's happening. You might even forget about it, which is what we are counting on. Folks, we do appreciate if you just let people know that we're two funny, desperate, desperately lonely guys. And if you don't hate what we're doing here, you can watch our Star Trek show, which is even more nerdy than this. At the end of the day, I want you to attack me, choke me out, and at the very last second, I'll poke out your eyes and shoot off some laser sounds. Laser sounds. Uh, we've just learned too much about Mike. Yeah, that got uh, dark. <laughs>